Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Let's, um, let's pray together. Um, we are uh, in our series, The Good Fight, and uh, just let's, let's go to God's Word now together and, and gather around that. Father, thank you just for the joy that I feel present in this house. And um, God, it's, it's really the, the joy of the fellowship of the body of Christ. God, the, the fellowship of, of the believers. And uh, we, we thank you. God, that you've, you've made us a family. Thank you that we can joke around and, and have fun and, um, and really just, just, uh, just enjoy life. Lord, you, you are the God of, of life, and you've, you've called us to follow you. Lord, as we go to your word, as we've been studying through this book of 1 Timothy, God, we, we just pray that, um, Lord, you, you just open, a, open it up to us. Um, show us, Lord, what you want us as a church to hear. Um, apply these things to our heart, change our lives, and um, Lord, we, we thank you for, for what your Spirit is doing, Lord, through, through your church, God, and, um, and, and what you're doing in the lives of our kids, Lord, right now too, as uh, Lord, each of these teachers are just pouring their hearts into them, God. God, uh, may you change us, may you, may you teach us, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you got your Bible, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's where we're going this morning, and uh, as I said, um, we are actually going to be uh, finishing up this book of 1 Timothy, this letter from Paul to uh, Pastor, Pastor Timothy, a young pastor in Ephesus, who he had left there to, um, to, to just be an apostolic representation to the church and to teach the truth of God's Word. So um, we want to start at verse 11 here, and um, I'll read through verse 16. We'll be going through the end of the chapter, but let's just, let's just start with that for right now, okay? So follow along with me, chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 11. He says this, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. We'll end there right now. As we go to God's Word today, um, what, uh, what I am, am reminded of is, uh, is, is that, that each of us have chosen things that we are willing to fight for. And uh, being that we celebrated Veterans Day uh, yesterday, um, you as veterans, you, you men and women who, who serve our nation, this is one thing that you have said, America and our freedom is worth 
fighting for. And we thank you. We thank you for that. Along with that, there's other decisions that, that we as people make about, about what is, uh, is worth fighting for. And uh, if we were to maybe go around this room and ask each person what they would be willing to fight for, I, I guarantee you a lot of our answers would be similar. But then some of our answers would also be uh, very different. See, there are some things that are worth fighting for and other things that just aren't worth fighting for. Some things that we consider to be worth fighting for that other people don't. That is what what Paul is talking about today. Um, Maybe your answers would range from, we fight for freedom, happiness, love, change, Dreams, goals, family, children, marriage, our our business, education, politics. Maybe you'd say, I fight for America. We've all chosen the proverbial hill that we're willing to die upon. And that is what Paul is going to tell Timothy today. He's going to tell him, though, there is one thing that is worth fighting for. And it's fighting for the faith. Fighting for the faith. So in this letter, um, as, as we have read through this, this closing, um, closing remarks to Timothy, um, really what, what he's going to tell us is what we are to flee from, what we are to follow, and then what we are to fight for. And uh, we'll go kind of in that order today, starting in verse 11, though. Let's look at verse 11. And this is a pivotal verse for us that I really want you to grasp a hold of. He said this, but as for you, O man of God. As for you, O man of God. We could preach a whole message here. But really the question is, why? Why did Paul call Timothy, O man of God? In the beginning of the letter, do you remember how Paul referred to Timothy? He referred to him as my true son in the faith, as, as, a, as, you know, as, a, as a disciple that, that he's been raising up to follow Jesus. But now at the end of the letter, he's calling him man of God. Can, can I tell you, we use this terminology often in the church. Um, we call a pastor a man of God, a priest a man of God, you know, someone very spiritual as a man of God. But, but can I tell you right here, what Paul is saying is he, he's not just referring that this is only to be called to pastors. No, he, he's telling Timothy, just as a follower of Jesus, this is your identity. You are a man of God. And so, so as, as followers of Jesus here today, can we just call one another who have been bought by the blood of Christ? We are men and we are women who are in Christ. We are men and women of God. And so, so the motivation to do what, what, Timothy, what Timothy is going to be told to do next is going to come from his, his identity in Christ. That, that he's been bought, he's been chosen, he's been cleansed. And, uh, and, and he's been given this new name, uh, a new identity, as being in Christ, a man of God. And so when you, when you think about this place where Timothy was in, he's left all alone in Ephesus. I don't know if you've ever been left all alone with a great responsibility. That's where Timothy was. He was left all alone in Ephesus, and Paul's encouraging him. Here's what God wants you to be. He wants you to be a man after his own heart. Um, a man who is following after him, a man of God, a man or a woman of God. And with that in mind, he then encourages him and tells him, O oh man of God, here is first of all what you are to flee from. 
flee from, okay? That, that comes in verse 11. He says, flee these things, okay? And, and he doesn't go and list the things to flee right there because he's already listed them just, just before, okay? And so that's why we don't like to just, you know, read little sections or little verses of the Bible because the Bible explains itself. This whole book has been explaining things that, that Paul has encouraged Timothy to flee from. And the first thing that we recognize is that in chapter 6, he, he told him to, to flee from those who teach different doctrine. Doctrine in verse 1, I think that it is, that doesn't agree with, um, actually it's in verse, verse 3, um, that if anyone teaches a different doctrine that does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit, he understands nothing. Um, he's got an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels, and, and then he talks about these persons produce envy and dissension, slander, evil suspicions, constant friction. These are the things that Timothy is told to flee from, and we can apply this into our own church as well, because has this changed in 2,000 years? No. There's people that would like to come into the church that we should also flee from, people that just like to like controversy, quarreling, dissension, slander, greed, and people that don't want to teach or agree with the clear teaching of Jesus. He's, he's told, flee from these, okay? Now keep in mind, I want you to know this. Flee does not mean to just run away from. Because too often, I think, um, when there is trouble, especially in the church, we're tended, we, we tend to just exit quietly. And that's not what we're told to do. Now, fighting for the faith means, means this, that we separate ourselves from these kind of things. Realizing that, that the devil's intent is to steal and kill and destroy and divide. And so within, within the church, I mean, we, we've been given counsel, man, when, when a brother is in sin, you go to them, you show him his sin, okay? And the same with false teaching. We confront it, we approach it, we don't back down away from it. But man, if, if there is not a response from that person to, to correct themselves and align with the truth of God's word, then there's a necessary separation that needs to happen because this is a sign that someone has followed the way of apostasy, just separated themselves from Jesus Christ. And uh, the church need not follow that path. And so, so he says, flee these things, flee these things. Um, and today, let's be careful. Let's be very careful about the things that we attach ourselves to and measure them against the, the teaching of the Scripture, against the teaching of Jesus. Is this true? Does Jesus want it this way? Is this what he said in his word? And if it is not, that is false teaching, okay? And so, so that is the first thing he says. He says, flee these things, okay? But don't just separate yourselves from them. We've got to replace them with something. Okay? We're not just, just deconstructing, we're constructing our faith on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, and he says, pursue these qualities. So here's number two, what you are to follow. Number one, what you're to flee. Number two, what you're to follow. Um, he says, pursue, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Now, that word pursue, it means to follow after, to press forward, to keep on going. Literally, keep on fighting 
fight hard for this, okay? Now, um, I don't know if you've probably heard the expression uh, that he or she put up a fight, okay? And maybe you've, you've lived that, you've experienced, you put up a fight for what you believe. You don't fight for things that you don't love, okay? And, and that, that's, that's what he's referring to. He's saying, put up a fight for these things. I, um, this, this a couple weeks ago, I had a very proud moment as a father where I observed my daughter Zoe uh, trying out for basketball. And uh, this, this was something where, where last year they were having trouble finding people for the team. And this year she showed up and it seemed like the whole school and all the girls that could have come out for basketball were there. And it was, it was a, you know, it was a tough tryouts. There was a whole week of tryouts before they would ever hear if they made the team. And the first night showed up, the gym was hot, you know, the coach ran them hard. They were sweating like crazy. And, uh, you know, she, she comes back, you know, and when we pick her up, she, she's almost breaking down because what's happened is during, during this tryout, she's jammed her finger, her ring finger. And I'll tell you, it turned black and blue for a whole week, okay? But did she give up? She could have. She probably wanted to. She didn't. And I was really proud of her as a dad. She kept on going. Second night. She went to practice. Same thing. Ran, ran them hard. And guess what? She jammed her other finger. <laughs> okay? Thankfully, it wasn't as bad, but she kept on going, man. She, went, she made it through the whole week of tryouts, and she pushed on, pushed herself forward. And by the end of the week, then the coach brought out a bunch of envelopes. And uh, in these envelopes, it, they had letters. They didn't open them in front of everyone. The coach said, go, you know, go, go to your parents, go jump in your cars, and, and then you can open them there. And uh, that was the moment of truth where she would find out, did she make the team? Did she not make the team? And uh, as she opened that letter, um, she found out proudly that the coach had accepted her on the, onto the team. She'd made the basketball team. Praise God. Yeah, woohoo! Good job, Zoe. Proud of you. I know I'm embarrassing here, but this, this, is, this is what we're talking about, though. He's, he's, he's talking about pressing on, pursuing these things. And, and following Jesus, it's, it's a, you know, when we talk about it, it's a fight. It's not a fight that we fight alone, though. I mean, Jesus says that his, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And so we don't fight it alone, but we pursue him. And, and, and these are the things that, that we pursue that Jesus, Jesus brings to us is uh, the, these different qualities here. Um, there are six of them mentioned. Let's just walk through each of them a second. First one is, is righteousness. Righteousness. That means to be right with God. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Matthew 5, verse 6. This is receiving the righteousness of Christ. It's adopting the way of Jesus as your own. It's imitating his way, his behavior, submitting to his, his will. That's righteousness. When, we, when you follow Jesus, you are made righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. He imputes to you his righteousness. But there is also a walking in righteousness that, that you pursue each day as a follower of Jesus. Second thing is this, godliness. Godliness. It's, it's to really, um, Jesus, Jesus wants us to be his disciples. He says, come follow me. That's Christ-likeness. Um, 
scripture that, that Paul, he says in, in 1 Corinthians, he said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That, that's our goal, to submit our life to, to following Jesus, to his will, his, his way, okay? The third quality is, is this, it's faith, faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Everyone puts their faith in something, but faith is the willingness to trust in and to rely on and cling to the promises of Jesus, even when it does not make sense by what you see. That is faith. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue love. This is, this is God's love. The love that finds its origin in its expression in God and its expression in Christ. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He says, pursue love. Jesus is our perfect example in that. This is what love looks like. Then the next one is steadfastness. I like to say this is perseverance, motivated by love. Um, no one remains faithful or steadfast or perseveres if they don't love something. Love is the fuel for the engine of perseverance. And so this is the kind of perseverance that Paul is calling Timothy to, a steadfastness motivated by the love of God shown in Jesus Christ. God showed his love. The, third, the, the sixth quality then is, is the quality of gentleness. Gentleness. Gentleness um, could be described as kindness and meekness. You know, unfortunately, some view uh, the, the word meekness as synonymous with weakness, but this is not weakness. This is power under control, to stay calm, to stay humble, to stay disciplined when you are under pressure. And so, if those kind of characteristics are a sign of weakness, that is one of the big reasons why we have a big problem in our culture. We're to be those as followers of Jesus who are gentle, who are meek, who are kind. Philippians 4 verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. You can be gentle with people because you know that God is all-powerful. And uh, one thing that we've been trying to teach ourselves and teach our kids is when we feel exasperated, when we're, we're, we feel like we need to like lash back with loud words, we're often trying to catch ourselves and remember what Scripture says, that a soft answer turns away wrath. Can I encourage you to try it sometime? Try to be gentle in the way that you respond to someone that is coming at you with anger um, because that will change the game. We found it changed the game in our family. Change, change the relationships that we have with our children. Change the relationships that our children have with each other. Just practicing this quality that God wants us to pursue. That's gentleness. Being gentle with one another. And so, 
We've talked about where we're to flee from. We've talked about then what we need to follow. This is what, what Paul is telling Timothy, follow. This is what you, to teach your church, to teach then Valley Church. Well, that's why we're teaching it, okay? And then he then talks about what we are to fight for, what we are to fight for. And that begins in verse 12. He says this. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Matthew Henry, in a, in a commentary, he, he says this. Those who will get to heaven must fight their way there. They must be in conflict with corruption, temptation, and the power of darkness. Observe, it's a good fight. It's a good cause. And it will have a good end and purpose. Let me encourage you. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the forces of darkness, the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so our, our fight is not against people. Our fight is not against people that might disagree with, with the way of Jesus. No, our fight is against the spiritual forces behind, behind the animosity that people find themselves caught up into. No, we're for people. And that's why we say we're for the valley. You know, we, we talk about that. We're here to seek the lost. We're here to send them, um, ser serve them, and send them as disciples of Jesus. The, the work that Jesus began, the work that Jesus modeled, that's how we want to approach it. He, he was humble. He was meek. He was kind, but also firm. He, he wasn't afraid of controversy either. And so, so when Paul is telling Timothy, here's what you are to fight for, th this is what he's talking about. He's saying, man, there's a determination that you need to have just like a soldier has with a commanding officer that there is a battle that you are going to be faced with every single day in following Jesus. But it is not without motivation, okay? Here are some reasons to fight, he says. And that, that's what he goes on to talk about. He says, fight the good fight of faith. And, and I, I gave you some notes. I'm gonna, I don't think I put them in your bulletin, but if you want to write them down, you can, because I hope they're, they're an encouragement. First of all, he talks about eternal life, and we'll read that verse. But he says, fight the good fight because eternal life is your calling. Eternal life is your calling. Take hold of eternal life, he says in verse 12. To which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So again, God calls us to be fighters because even though we may lose the battle here, we know Jesus, he, he's won the war. It says, take hold of eternal life to which you were called. Eternity, can I tell you, it doesn't begin after we die. We are eternal beings. We are born into eternal life. We are eternal beings living in the world where we are giving Jesus right now lordship over our life. And that's the concept that we as believers, we, 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 when, we, when we follow Jesus, that is what we're saying. We're saying, Jesus, you are my Savior and you are my Lord. Lord of all. Lord of my life. You're the captain. You're the commander. Okay, if we're putting this in army terms, okay? What, what Paul is reminding Timothy is that uh, you started doing this when you confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, but keep it up. 
continue in this confession. Don't fall into the trap of believing that once you follow Jesus, that life is going to get easier. It's going to actually be harder because Satan's going to attack. He's going to try and discourage. He's going to try and destroy and divide and be on guard against that. Can I, can I even tell you here at Valley Church, what we have seen as people are growing in Christ, as they're taking steps of maturity, I'm not here to scare you about this, and following Jesus is a joy, but can I tell you, we've seen that it also becomes more of a battle when people are following Jesus truly, especially after we see people get baptized here, here at the church. We see that, man, they, they experience that with joy, but then the devil comes in to try to discourage them, to try, try and distract them or, or separate them from being, coming, coming and, and being, being a part of the church. Um, and that, that's the spiritual forces that we fight against. Um, we, all, we also see that with, with our leaders, man, um, that, that God comes against myself and pressure, not God, but, but the forces of evil come against us when, when we're trying to do things that would advance God's kingdom. Man, if we don't do anything that would try and advance his kingdom or present his gospel, man, he doesn't bother us. But man, just, just know that when there is trouble, there's something behind that often. That God is, is trying to do some things and the devil doesn't like it. And so pray for your leaders. Pray for our serve team directors. Pray for, for our Valley Kids um, teachers, man. It's very easy to get discouraged. Um, pray for our youth leaders, Man, uh, just, just pray and cover them in prayer. Intercede on their behalf because they need it. They really do. Pray for our elders. Um, pray for their wives. Um, man, there, there's a lot of pressure in different areas of ministry. And, uh, and, and God, is, God is here to, to just say, man, I've defeated all that. I've won. I've won the war. You might, you might lose some battles, okay? But I'm here. I've won the war, okay? Eternal life is your calling. Eternal life is your calling. Can I also just, just remind us too, um, how do we find encouragement often? How do we defeat the devil? It's through the word of our testimonies. And, uh, and, and that's something that we found very encouraging. Even when people share what God is doing in their life with us, that we might have had a bad week, or things look like they're not working the way that they should, but then someone shares about what God has been doing in their life. And uh, for the benefit our, of ourselves as a community, um, so that we can all be built up and encouraged and thank God. Um, next Sunday, can I tell you, there's not going to be a sermon because you will be the sermon. And what I mean by that is that we are going to have a testimony Sunday where I've asked some people, and we may open it up as well if we have some time, for you to share about what God has done in your life, to testify of his goodness, testify of his work that only God could do this. So we, we're, we're excited for that. We are really excited for that. And that, that's how we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, we're going to do that Sunday morning, um, Sunday evening. We're going to join with our community at the Nazarene Church. Um, encourage you to come out for that. We're, we'll have some fellowship with pie and ice cream. Make a pie if you want to. Um, but just, just uh, be part of the body of Christ. It's going to be a time of community um, next, next Sunday. So, so uh, eternal life is our calling. Okay, that, that's the first point. The second point is this. He, he makes this point that everything is the Lord's. Everything is the Lord's. Okay, that's, that's the second one. We see this in verse 13. He says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to 
all. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. This is, this is kind of a, a vision that God, God is trying, trying to impress upon Timothy. Paul is passing this, this on to Timothy saying, gain this vision of God that he is the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the king overall. Everything finds its source in him. That changes things. When you think of God and the lordship of, of our God in that way, that he is sovereign over everything, okay? But I'll tell you, in this world that we live in, there are attacks on that very quality of God. The people deny the fact that God is the source of all things. Namely, namely one, of, one of those is through the theory of evolution and what harm has been caused, not just to people's, like, sci- the scientific theory, but, but also just to, uh, to people's souls because it is a direct denial against God as the source, as the creator of all things. He gives life to all things. And that means that, that you were, were bought by him, that, that because he's the creator, that, that he, he, he built it. And so when, you, when, you, when something goes wrong, you, you look back at the manual and you look, look and see, how did he make this to be? And when we find its source in him, when we, we look at his, his, his directions for life, we know that his way is best because he's the creator. That, that's, that's why we, we give his word the authority in our lives because he, he wants the best for his people. Okay? Everything is the Lord's. The third thing is this in verse, verse 13, the second part of it. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all. And he says, and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. What is the, what's the third reason to fight the fight of faith? It's because of the example of Jesus. The example of Jesus. And if you think about what he's referring to, he's talking about the testimony that Jesus made before Pontius Pilate. What kind of testimony did Jesus make in front of him? He's referring to just these hours before Jesus was then taken and crucified and, uh, and, and when brought before Pilate, Pilate asked Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 11, he said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responded, he said, it is as you say. Jesus also, when he was before Pilate, he testified before him about the sovereignty of God. John 19, verse 11 is one of the responses we, we hear from Jesus toward Pilate. He said, said to Pilate, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. He declared the lordship of, of God over one of the highest powers in that, in that land at that time, Pilate. When accused, Jesus refused to defend himself and left his life in the will of God, knowing that after his crucifixion, three days later, he would rise again from the dead. In each of these ways, we see Jesus made the good confession. And so before Pontius Pilate, Jesus did that. And so for Paul telling Timothy this, we know Timothy was going to face a lot of difficult times, a lot of opposition. And what Paul is telling Timothy is, just like I've had to do this, you're going to have to do this as well. But you're not alone. Because Jesus has gone before you. He's your perfect example. And so just follow the way of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. Just sum it up in that. 
Follow him. No matter how difficult your circumstances may become, Timothy, you always have that example of Jesus. And I will tell you, you do as well. Follow the good confession in Christ. Look to him as your perfect example, okay? So eternal life is your calling. Everything is the Lord's. Follow the example of Jesus. Fourth, why should we fight the good fight of faith? It's because of God's eternal dominion. God's eternal dominion. And we see this in verses 14 through 16. We'll read verse 14 to start. He says, keep the commandments unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. How long was Timothy going to have to fight the good fight of faith? Until the appearing of Jesus Christ, until the second coming of Christ. Now, um, I know that it's hard to wait, but that's where we're at right now. Is that even 2,000 years from the time that this has been written that God is continuing to tarry and call us to wait upon him in his return? Who knows? God the Father himself. And he will come when he is good and ready. He will. But until then, let's just be about following him in his kingdom, giving him dominion in our lives. Um, Romans chapter 8, 31 and 32 says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I hope you're encouraged by that. When, when will he return? At the proper time. When will he return? He'll make this happen when he's good and ready. Okay? As we keep on going, Paul then goes on to describe the character of God. And just, just, just like listen to this, listen to this description of God. There's nothing like it in, in most of the scripture, okay? He describes God as this. He who is blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion forever. Amen. Now, I know we have a wonderful worship team, but if that doesn't cause you to worship, there's something wrong with your view of God. And I'll tell you that, that as a pastor, I don't know enough, I don't understand enough to fully comprehend these attributes that Paul describes here. But this is who he is. Our God is one who has power and authority that everything is in submission to him. No one, no thing can come in his way. He is a sovereign king of kings and Lord of lords. That is our God. And so that should be reasons for us to change the way that we act every single day. Can I ask you, when we, when we consider this though, when we, when we consider this, he's telling us, fight the good fight of faith. Doesn't that motivate you to submit your life to Jesus as king? Knowing that he, he is all sovereign, he is all powerful. He is the only king of kings, Lord of lords. That is him. And that, that, that tells me, man, I want to stand with Jesus. I want to stand with him.
okay? As he closes this letter then, he basically gives some statements about what it means then to declare your allegiance to God. And it's going to impact your daily life, how you think, how you act, you know, what you do with your money, what you do with your time. And this is, this is, this is what he says, and we've, we've talked about all, a lot of this previously, and so I'm not going to cover them in depth, but just let this impact you again. Following Jesus changes your life in real ways. And so in verse 17, he goes on. He talks about how to live in alignment with that. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They're to do good. They're to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is the eternal view which we are to have as followers of Jesus. In verse 20, he says, O Timothy, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent, irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by, profess, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. And he ends with this line, Grace be with you. I love the way that he ends. God calls us to be fighters. But fight for what? Fight for the faith. And when we do, he will give us what we need when we need it. He will give us his grace. That's a good definition of grace. And so when he's telling you what you're to flee from, what you are to follow, what you are to fight for, when, when eternal life is your calling, when everything is the Lord's, when, when the, we have the example of Jesus, when we consider his eternal dominion, God will give us grace each day to live according to his calling. And so as, as we close, um, let me just ask you, have you declared, have you declared your allegiance to Jesus as your king? You can do so by submitting your life to him, by calling upon his name. The scripture says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the only sure foundation we have. This is, this is, this is something that, that we know is true. This is truly life, as he, he ends with, he's teaching us this. This is truly life. This life here on this earth, it will pass away. It's like a vapor. But eternal life with God, that is truly life. Are you living like that? Have you declared your allegiance to God? It's a challenge for us to consider each day of our life. Are we living in alignment with who God calls us? Are you a man? Are you a woman of God? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for what a challenge this is. And God, we, we recognize that, um, Lord, uh, what, what Paul calls Timothy, calling him a man of God, often feels out of place for us. But Lord, help us to receive that high and holy calling. Lord, help us to declare you as Savior and Lord of our life. We thank you, God, that you have made a way for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. 
that by your action on the cross, taking our sin, taking our shame upon ourself, that you declared us to be righteous and that everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. We thank you that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. So if anyone is here today, they would say, man, I, I want to declare my allegiance to God today. God, may they just reach out to say, Lord Jesus, would you save me? Would you change me? Would you make me a man or a woman of God? I repent of my sin. I turn from it. I name it and call it against your will, against your way. And God, I turn to you, Jesus, and give my life to you, believing that you died on the cross to cover my sin with your blood, and knowing, God, that you are the only King, the Savior, and Lord of all and of my life. Thank you, God, for saving me. And Lord, we give our lives to you. We commit them to you this week. God, have your way in the life of Valley Church, in the life of each soul, in the life of each, each person that we would encounter, God, in this week. God, get before us. God, surround us. and Fill us with your spirit each day to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.